Well, good morning. Happy Pentecost Sunday. Woo. All right, just a couple. I was pretty excited. I don't know about you. I totally forgot it was Pentecost Sunday, and um, I've been spending the last two weeks getting ready for Colossians because we finished Philippians last time. And then Pastor David gave an awesome message last week. And, uh, and then I got halfway through the week, and I was like, it's Pentecost Sunday. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. Yeah. Woo! Okay, there we go. That got you a little more excited. The birth of the church didn't do it for you, but the Holy Spirit did. All right. So turn to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to get started. Acts chapter 2. What an exciting portion of Scripture for us to look back on. Boy, I tell you, that song, that last song we did, I was just picturing us before the throne of God with our Lord right there and, and everybody just with their hands towards Him and just worshiping. And it's going to be like that. It's going to be amazing. And, and I can't wait. And we're going to be there because why? Because we put our trust in Him. And He did the amazing in us. He changed us on the inside. We are proof of a transformed life. I'm not what I should be, but I ain't what I used to be. And so I thank the Lord Jesus, and that's why we want to talk about the Holy Spirit today, because it's so important for us to understand it's the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to change. You can't do it on your own. You can't, you can't, you can't serve God in your own strength and do a great job. You might be able to get some stuff done, but nothing compared to what you could do by the power of the Holy Spirit, and how essential the Holy Spirit is in our lives. Now, we know that the Holy Spirit seals us into the body of Christ when we become born again. But today, we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is different. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is receiving the power and the promise from the Father. And that means I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. And so it's, it's amazing when I look around at the church at large today, some people are afraid of the Holy Spirit. Some churches, they're kind of subdued, and they're kind of afraid to, you know, they, they think the gifts aren't for today. They, they think that that was all during Paul's time and, and during the apostles' time. And, and that, you know what, that's an abuse of the Spirit. And then on the other hand, you've got groups that can be out of control, and their church service is like a circus, and that's an abuse of the Spirit. There needs to be a balance there needs to be the Holy Spirit. We need to be able to give our fellowships the, the room to exercise the gifts of the Spirit and use these gifts that God has given us to bless others. But everything needs to be done decently and in order. And that's so important. That's what we want to look at today because, you know, when God moves, He does the miraculous. He does amazing things. And sometimes we go, man, that is just crazy. But if the Lord's doing it, you can receive it. But don't get yourself so twisted that you're so afraid to re receive the gifts of the Spirit and, and, and afraid to receive the movement of the Holy Spirit. I think a lot of churches do their churches disservice by not allowing them a time to move and to grow. And that's why we do on Wednesday nights prayer and worship. Because we give that opportunity for our, 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 our people to express and to use the gifts of the Spirit and to exercise it. We call it like an afterglow. And it's so important for us to use the gifts. God gave every one of you a gift. It ain't for you. It's for others. And so you, got, you then in turn go out and you use that gift to bless others. And this whole thing began at Pentecost when the church was birthed 
And God came down from heaven bringing the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it was an amazing event. The church is so unique. I hope you know that. See, what makes us different from the Old Testament believers is the Old Testament believer didn't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. Oh, no. The Holy Spirit came upon certain individuals, came upon Samson, came upon David, but the Holy Spirit didn't dwell in all those that believed. That's what makes us so unique. The, the Old Testament saints are the wife of Jehovah, but the New Testament saints are the bride of Christ. And when we get born again, oh my goodness, we have Christ dwelling in us. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And we ask for the power and the promise from the Father above to do all things in Jesus' name because I don't want to do anything in my name. And I don't want to do anything in my power. And so this birth of the church, this day we call Pentecost, is so important. And look where it happens. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Let's read verses 1 through 4. And tell me if this wasn't a different service on a Sunday. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came the sound from heaven of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. The one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Father, we pray right now that you'd speak to our hearts. Lord, jumpstart our hearts. Activate us, Lord God. Let us be strengthened by you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to do well, to finish well, to be used by you and so lord teach us your desires for us let us know why it's so important for the baptism of the holy spirit in each of our lives we ask that you bless this time and thank you that we can remember what happened what took place on this very day pentecost sunday in Jesus' name and all god's people said amen, amen. wow pentecost can you imagine being there that first when that first happened now, Pentecost is one of the, the seven main feasts. Now, the Jewish people will tell you there's eight feasts because they include the Sabbath, that that weekly Sabbath rest that was, was a, a weekly feast. But the feasts are, are, are a foreshadow of something that Jesus was going to do, that our Lord was going to fulfill. And so we know that Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath because he said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And when you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you are now resting in the Lord of the Sabbath. But then we saw Passover was instituted in Exodus chapter 12 when God told Moses, tell, tell the people to go get a lamb spotless without blemish on the 10th day of Nisan. It was considered this new month, this religious calendar. And you were to bring that, that lamb into your house for five days. And you would have it there for the 10th, the 11th, the 12th, the 13th, the 14th. On the 14th day, you had to sacrifice that lamb. And you say, well, what's the big deal? Okay, check this out. You got kids. How many of you got kids? How many got grandkids? Little ones. Okay, imagine bringing this cute little lamb into your house. It stayed in your house. It ate with you. It slept with you. The kids played with it. It was just the cutest little thing ever. You just loved on it for five days. And then on the, on the 14th day of Nizan, Dad said, okay, we've got to slit the throat and put the blood over the doorpost. How are your kids going to feel? How are you going to feel? There's this attachment that's happened. 
That's why it's so important with what Jesus did. We love the Lord. He gave His life for us. He sacrificed Himself for our sins. And so what they would do is they would sacrifice that lamb and they put the blood over the doorpost and, and, and over the sides and it made two crosses and it was formed into a cross and then down at the basin they poured the blood and it was a representation of Jesus between two crosses, the Passover lamb. And that's why John said when he saw Jesus coming, when he started his ministry, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And Jesus Christ is the final sacrifice once and for all, for all mankind. We don't need to offer sacrifices for sin anymore. Just come to Jesus and call upon his name and believe in your heart and receive salvation. Jesus fulfilled Passover. Now, the, the, on the, the morrow, as Leviticus 23 would say, on the morrow of Passover started the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That means on Sunday, the Feast of Unleavened Bread started. And that would go on for a week. And the unleavened bread was the, uh, the symbol of walking without sin, a holy life. And, and leaven was always symbolic of evil and sin. And so the, the children of Israel couldn't eat any leaven. They had to eat unleavened bread for seven days. It was a picture of a holy life unto God. Who fulfilled that? Jesus. He was born without sin. He did his ministry without sin. And he died on the cross. And he never sinned. He took our sin upon him and took the judgment upon himself. But he himself was without sin. The fulfillment of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And then it said on the morrow of that that you would have the Feast of first fruits. So you had Passover, the next day you had unleavened, the Feast of Unleavened, and the next day you had the Feast of First Fruits. And Jesus was the, the, the first fruits of those to rise from the dead, never to die again. And this was a great time. And then, and then we come to what we know as Pentecost. So when Passover took place, Leviticus 23 said, now after seven sevens, seven weeks, after seven weeks, you get that? So seven Sabbaths, which is 49 days, we come to Pentecost. Pentecost means 50. It's the Feast of Shavuot. It's the, the celebration of the ingathering, of the harvest, of gathering things up, and look what God's done. And it was the 50th day. But you say, wait, you just said it was 49 days. It's 49 days. You go from Passover and go seven Sabbaths. That's 49 days. At the end of the 49th day, and that's why the Bible says in chapter 2, when Pentecost had fully come after the 49th day, starting right at the 50th day, it was Pentecost. The church was birthed. Two major, major things happened on Pentecost. The church was birthed and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh, man, Whew. don't leave home without it. Let me tell you that. The next feast is the Feast of Trumpets. That hasn't, taken, that hasn't been fulfilled yet, but I think it's really close. I think it's coming soon. The Feast of Trumpets, where the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel, the sound of a trump, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we that are alive and are made shall be caught up in the clouds with him, and so shall we be with him forever. Comfort yourselves with that. I'm looking forward to that. I think it's any minute. And then after the Feast of Trumpets, we've got what we call the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. Now, that doesn't deal with us. That deals with Israel because we've already uh, had this uh, sin atonement taken care of in our lives. Why? Because we're trusted in Jesus. 
That's for Israel and Israel alone, because one day they'll wake up. And then the very last feast is the Feast of Tabernacles, which happens in October. It's called Sukkot. And it's where the people in Israel for a week, they build little booths to remind themselves that the Lord brought them out of Egypt and brought them, gave them shelter and took care of them in the wilderness. And so they do that for a week. And, and that feast will continue on all the way through the thousand-year millennial kingdom reign. So the Lord comes back for his church. We're raptured out. The seven-year tribulation takes place. He puts down evil, and he sets up his kingdom for a thousand years, and we'll still be doing tabernacles, the Feast of Tabernacles, during that time. And everybody will have to come up once a year to Jerusalem during that time, the thousand-year millennial kingdom reign, and they'll be offering sacrifices too. You say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought Jesus was the final sacrifice once and for all for sin. He is. They're not bringing sacrifices for sin. They're bringing sacrifices very similar to what we're doing right now this morning. We're going to be taking communion in remembrance of what Jesus did. They'll be offering sacrifice in remembrance that God brought them out of the world and took care of them. And so, but I really want to look at today because Pentecost is amazing. And, and as we reflect on this day, you know, I, I was looking at these beautiful flowers somebody brought in that, that Colleen brought in because she's like, it's Pentecost. We've got to have flowers. I'm like, okay, sounds great. This is such an amazing day. If you look at the Feast of Pentecost, there was something very interesting. This was all the way back in Leviticus. And God told Moses, here's, here's what one of the offerings was. Bring two loaves of bread. You say, well, what's the big deal? They were leavened. What? That's unheard of. What do you mean? Leavened? What was it sim symbolizing? It was symbolizing the church would be birthed and be comprised of both Jew and Gentile that both have sin, but Jesus has wiped their sin away. We're sinful, aren't we? Even though we're saved, we still blow it, don't we? And so what a picture. And so this day, they come together, and here they are. And boy, I'll tell you what, how amazing must have that been when they were in this room praying, and all of a sudden this took place. Now, what's amazing to me, too, here is that I look, the fact that, you know, um, here, here we have Pentecost Sunday, and I was thinking, you remember when everything shut down? How many of you got rocked by that? Be honest, come on. Did it upset you a little bit? Okay, well, it looks like most of you didn't. It was different, though. It was weird. We didn't know what was going on. We all closed down because, you know, we, we didn't know what we were facing, but then all of a sudden we started to get some of the, the data in, and we realized, you know, what this isn't, this isn't as bad as we thought. Because isn't it funny how flu disappeared? There was no flu. And, and then, you know, and nobody talked about tuberculosis. I mean, over 900,000 people a year in our, in our U.S. would die from flu, and, and 1.5 million people died from tuberculosis, but um, there wasn't any tuberculosis pandemic. There wasn't any flu pandemic. See, all of a sudden we started to realize that, you know what, um, this is political. Whether you want to believe it or not. Because check this out, check this out. For the first time in the history of the church, the church worldwide was shut down. Who do you think wants the church shut down? Satan? But it didn't work. It blew up in his face. And you remember when we opened back up, we opened, we actually opened on a Wednesday, but we, when we, our first Sunday back was actually Pentecost Sunday. Do you guys remember that? 
It was Pentecost Sunday, and I almost looked at it as sort of, this was like we were looking at the birth of the church, and I'm kind of thinking to myself, this is like a rebirth right now. Because you know what God did during that lockdown? He showed us who was his. Didn't he? I mean, there was, there was people that left the church that never even came back after it opened back up. There was, there was churches that never opened back up. There was churches that, that are still streaming online. And, you know, and I'm, I'm not putting that down. If you can't get to church because of your physical abilities or whatever, that, praise God we have streaming. Praise God we have videos that you can watch. But if you're totally healthy and able to come to church, shame on you, you should be in church. But there are people that have never come back. There are churches that are more afraid of government than they are of honoring the Lord. Remember when we opened up how amazing that was? That first Wednesday? Oh my gosh, it was standing room only. It was packed. Nobody was wearing masks. Nobody was social distancing. We were breaking every rule there was. And, and we were just, we were worshiping and everybody was crying and just, you know, hugging. And, you know, it was just, oh man, and people were telling me this is the most alive I've felt in months. And I felt like, oh man, this is like a rebirth of the church right now. People were actually, this is what's important. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't long after that, you know, that we, we did, we had the Pentecost Sunday. We, we gave an altar call that, that day, and both services, this whole area was filled with people getting saved. Amen. We went, went on to do one of the biggest baptisms we've ever done in the history of this church on the following Agape Feast. God was moving. But you know what happened? Somebody ratted us out. We got ratted out. Yeah, those... Those, those Calvary guys, man, they're not social distancing. They're just packing the house. No one's wearing a mask. Oh, they're, they're killing people. I'm serious. And I got threatened by the state. Got a letter from the state, prosecuting attorney, telling me that uh, if I didn't send away 75% of the church, make everybody wear a mask and social distance, and I'm going to jail for a year and a $5,000 fine. I prayed about it. And then to add to my prayers, my, my son Josh looked at me and he goes, well, maybe you're supposed to preach in prison. I was like, shut up. <laughs> but you know what? I came to a grip with that. I came to a peace that if that's what God wanted, that's what God was going to get. And I, and, and I felt like the Lord said, don't worry about it. And I ignored that letter. I didn't even respond. We stayed open. God kept us open by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amazing the things that God does. He's so faithful. You know, it's interesting that you and I have rights. And unfortunately, there were a certain handful of politicians that deemed certain people non-essential and certain people essential. And certain businesses non-essential and certain businesses essential. And then they lumped the church into non-essential and shut us down. It was the church that just opened back up. We did it on our own, worldwide. Because it's not about, for the church, essential or non-essential. You are living, breathing souls made up of the body of Christ. You are not a business. And they have no right to shut us down. It's according to our First Amendment rights. 
And people's failure to understand our, our right, our constitutional rights, it's by law we have the freedom to gather any way we want and to worship any way we want and to social distance or not or hug or what, any way we want. That's, that's our right. That's in our Constitution. Hello? They don't get that. You know, Costco, Home Depot, Foodland, you can deem them essential or unessential. They don't have a First Amendment right. You and I do. The First Amendment right, you've got to understand what it says. It's, it's, it's the freedom to assemble, it's the freedom of speech, and it's the freedom of the church to gather. That's it. They can't shut us down. Did you know that? You know, the funny thing is I started to get all this information together about the Constitution. I started doing, I started doing my research because, you know, we, I got this letter and I was, I was being threatened to go to jail and stuff like that. And I started doing my, and you know what I found? This will blow you away. Check this out. I found that no way legally can they stop us from being a church and being open. No way. That's what I found. And it's in all the states. So much so, they can't even force you to take a vaccine. It's so against the law. So, like, you have a choice. You want to get the vaccine? That's your choice. You don't want to get the vaccine? That's your choice. But we can't have the, the government forcing that on us. They tried doing that. We, we had a medical rally down there a months ago, like six months ago, because I was trying to tell you guys, this isn't about COVID, this isn't about vaccines, not vaccine. This is about if you lose your medical right, they are going to start putting into you whatever they want to put into you, and you won't have a say. We've got to stand up for our rights. And so when I was studying our rights, this is what I found out. This is what I found out. They can't force me to take a vaccine. It's got to be my choice. If I want to do it, fine. If I don't want to do it, fine. They can't force this church to shut down. If they try to, here's what I'm supposed to do. Check this out. Then I'm supposed to write a notarized affidavit, send it to the governor, and say, by what law are you telling me I'm breaking? He won't be able to tell me. Then he'll have his lawyer call me, and then I'll have to say to the lawyer, I didn't ask for you to call me. I asked him to produce what law am I breaking. If they can't do that within a certain amount of days, I get awarded $100 million. I was kind of thinking like, Lord, throw me in jail. Let's get this going because then think of all the ministry we could help and the missions and even build a new church. Because that's how important it was to our founding fathers for you to have your religious freedoms. How did I get on that subject? Oh. Senior moment, senior moment is because I almost felt like when we came back together, it was like the rebirth, a uh, birth of the church at Pentecost. Yeah. There, was, there was such an excitement. But you know what? The, the, the sad thing about when we have those kinds of moments is like so many places in the Bible where the children of Israel rejoice and then they return back to their old ways. And how, how it, seemed like, it seemed like everybody wanted to know about what was going on. Is this the end times? Remember that? How many people asked you, are we in the end times? Is this, is this where it's all going down? Unbelievers. And I remember how many unbelievers came to church when we opened back up because they wanted to know what was going on. And everybody was asking questions. And, and you, know what, you know what else happened during that time? When we were shut down, the internet almost broke. Did you know that? The internet almost broke. You know why? Because the CA watches everything you do. And what they noticed was during that lockdown, 
the number one thing that was being downloaded in the world was Bible commentary, Bible apps, Bible information, Bible, Bible, Bible. And you know where the number one hotspot was? The, the number one country downloading? Iran. Do you know the Iranian people really love the Israelis? It's the Ayatollahs that hate the Israelis. You know why they love the Israelis, the Iranian people? It's because they're actually brothers from the same line. And something happened in the history of the church that never happened before. The word of God, when the enemy meant it for evil, God used it for good, and the word of God went out powerfully throughout the world and people got saved. That was the whole purpose of this baptism of the Holy Spirit because Jesus said here in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, he said, listen, um, guys, wait here for the power and the promise of the Father. What is he talking about? Jesus rose from the dead. In the evening of the resurrection, remember he went to visit the disciples? They freaked out. They saw him, thought he was a ghost. He's like, peace be with you. Take it easy. Does a, does a ghost have flesh and bone? Touch me. Yep, I'm right here. Love you guys. He said, peace be with you. And he breathed on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So because I'm saying that because a lot of people say Acts chapter 2 is when the church was birthed and people got born again for the first time. No, 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 no. It's all the way back in John 20. Well, not all the way back, but it's, it, was, you know, it was like 50 days before that. They were sealed with the Holy Spirit in that upper room when Jesus came through. And then Jesus hung out with the people for 40 days preaching the truth. People were getting saved. So by the time Pentecost comes, there was 120 people in an upper room. I'm sure there was a lot more that were saved than that, but they were up there praying. And so, so Jesus says to the disciples, listen, I've been with you 40 days. He, he doesn't tell them how long to wait, but he says, wait. He Just wait. Don't you hate it when Jesus tells us to wait? Oh my gosh. You know, like he'll make it really clear, okay, the thing you're asking about is going to happen, but wait. Because, you know, to him, whether it's waiting a day or waiting 10 years, it seems all the same to him, doesn't it? Because he's outside of time. For you, it's like, are you kidding me? It's been 10 years. I'm still waiting. So he, he looks at his disciples and he's trying to fire up. Why? Because the Great Commission says we've got to go out and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these guys are like chomping at the bit. They're probably ready to get out there and go. And Jesus says, no, wait. Wait. Wait for what? See, I wouldn't have done that. Thank God I'm not Jesus. I would have said to these guys, I would have looked at these guys and go, listen, you guys, you've been with me for three and a half years. If you haven't figured it out by now, you're never going to get it. Now get out there, pass out Bibles, hand out tracts, and go make disciples of all the nations. That's what I would have done. Aren't you glad that I'm not Jesus? But why did Jesus tell them to wait? Because this is what's so important. And if you're here today and you're born again and you're saved and you're sealed by the Holy Spirit, but you've never had the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you are doing yourself a huge disservice. Because what's happened is you're trying to do ministry in your own power. You're trying to do life in your own power. You're trying to walk with God in your own power. And you can't do it. And so that's what he was saying. He was looking at his disciples and he's looking at these guys. And he's going, wow, this is quite 
the different crew and I mean made up mostly of teenagers and Peter and and he's thinking to himself he's going okay guys you got to wait here and they're like why here's why because they were going to go out in the world and preach the gospel they were going to be facing the world the flesh and Satan an unholy trinity and they are no match for the world the flesh and Satan you're no match for the world the flesh and Satan apart from Jesus Christ. And so he says, listen, you guys, you ain't leaving home without this. Unfortunately, too many Christians leave home without this. He says to them, wait, and they waited 10 days. And so that's when they received the power and the promise of the Father. They were gathered together in this room, praying, praying. That's when stuff happens, when you're praying. Guys, guys, months ago, the Lord told me, put aside Wednesday nights, Bible teaching night, and let's have a time of prayer and worship. We weren't putting the Bible down. We were still reading scriptures and people were sharing scriptures. But he said, we need this church needs to have a season where we can commit the church at least to an hour of prayer every week and worship and praising God and seeking his face and laying hands on people and exercising the gifts of the spirit, giving them room to move, letting the Lord speak, having an ear to hear. And it's been awesome. And I encourage both services, get out there, get there. But you know what? Prayer services are the least attended services because what? Prayer? Do that at home. Oh yeah, you can do it at home. But there's nothing like when the brethren gather together. Right? Right? That's why I say to people, you know, if you're sitting at home watching online and, and, and because of your physical problems, praise God. Or whatever reason, something happened, you couldn't, I get it. But don't make that a habit of staying at home and watching online. There's something that happens in here when we're together. You remember that first time we came back, everybody was just so excited. You can't get this at home. Amen. I mean, I was talking to people that are watching online during the shutdown. They're telling me, yeah, I go, I go so, so did, 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 you, did you get all dressed up for church at home and, and, and open up your Bible? And you were like, well, well, no, Pastor. I mean, come on, it's home. So, you know, here you are, you're in your jammies. You got your coffee and toast. You got the TV on, you got the, you got the sermon going, but you're texting everybody. Yeah, I saw it. What part did you like? Oh, the part about Jesus. There's nothing like the saints getting together. Sometimes I stop singing and I just listen to your voices. There's nothing like us being together and be able to hug and lay hands on each other and encourage to pray for one another to partake in communion there's nothing like it you won't get this at home that's why jesus said don't forsake the gathering of the brethren his word tells us that because this is so important this is when the spirit loves to move and the power God Almighty. And so sometimes God is telling us to wait. Maybe he's telling you to wait today. He's got a plan. He's got a plan. But you need to understand that if you're here today and you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit, you're you're sealed. You're baptized into the body, but the 
Bible, the body Bible, <laughs> the Bible tells us of multiple baptisms. You've got baptism into the body of Christ. You've got water baptism that doesn't save you. It's just like an altar call. And then you've got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is the power and the promise from the Father. And the neat thing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, guess what? God will give you what you need when you need it to do what he wants. But here's where so many people make a mistake. Because they'll say to me, yeah, I, I, got, I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I go, oh yeah, when was the last time you asked for a free refill? What? When was that last time you asked for a filling? You mean, what? Don't I just do that thing one time? Well, you, you do it one time, but here's the thing. You keep asking for refills. When you fill your tank with gas and you drive around the island, when you come back, the tank is empty. You need to refill it. You filled it so you could have the power to go do what you wanted and come back, and now you've used that up and you need a fresh refilling. It's the same thing for the Christian. God will give you a task to do. You say, I can't do this. He's like, good. You won't get in the way. Let me fill you up and he fills you up and you go out and you do it and then you come back and you're like whoa I'm like left to myself Lord fill me afresh with the Holy Spirit I need a fresh refilling why do we need a fresh refilling because we leak right you know I'm kind of an outcast to other fellowships not, you know, don't take that wrong. I mean, I mean, I have a great relationship with a ton of pastors on this island. Don't miss, I, I say I'm sort of an outcast in this because to some churches, I'm too Pentecostal. And then in other churches, I'm not Pentecostal enough. <laughs> the Bible tells us do everything decently and in order. We need a fresh feeling. Listen, there's some people that think like the gifts of the Spirit are not for today. That was all in Paul's time. You're abusing the Spirit. You can't do anything apart from the Spirit of God. You need the Holy Spirit. You need a fresh refilling because we leak. You ever have those amazing moments when you wake up on a morning, you're like, man, you just feel so on fire for Jesus. Anybody had that? Just me? Oh, some of you, a bunch of you? Yeah, you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, I get it. Praise you. You don't even get out of bed before you start praising Him and throwing down prayers and blessing everybody and all this stuff. And you get out of bed and you get off alone and it's not even sunrise yet. You can just hear like the chirping and things starting to take place. You got your Bible open. You open it up. There's a verse just for you. How did that happen, right? Right? And then you start praying and you just feel like the Lord's speaking to you and everything's just going amazing. You're singing a song. You're praising God. And then those kids get up. Man, I was on a roll till those kids got up. And I'm not saying anything bad about the kids, but you know about kids. Kids get up, and then you got to get them ready for school and all that stuff, and they start drawing off of you, right? And all of a sudden, they start drawing off you because you got to get their lunches ready. you got to make them breakfast. you got to make sure they put on clean clothes. You know what I mean? And they just have need. And you get them off to school, and you head off to work, and here comes that, that person, that flesh in need. And they're like, hey, you got a minute? You like define a minute, right? And next thing you know, you've spent an hour with them and they just sucked all the life out of you. And you say, Lord, I need a fresh refilling. It's 9.30 in the morning. That's what it's for. That's what it's for. If you're going through something, here's the funny thing. When I talk to people and I say, you know, there's like, man, I'm really going through it financially. I don't know what to do. We, 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 we got to find a house. They go, why don't you come to prayer? They don't show up. 
man, I'm going through this emotional roller coaster. I'm having problems with my spouse. And why don't you come to Wednesday night prayer? They don't show up. Man, I'm really going through this physically. I got diagnosed with this, and I don't know what to do. And I, why don't you come to prayer? We can all lay hands on you and anoint you with oil and pray over you. They don't show up. You're doing yourself a huge disservice. The greatest thing that you can do as a Christian is get on your knees. Because you want to be in tune with him. You want to be about his business, doing his will. See, that was the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to give us that ability to do all things in his name. And I can do all things through Christ, which what? Strengthens me. so important that we get that and that we understand the fresh filling you look all through the scriptures and it, it's 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 they were filled and filled and filled it says right there in chapter 2 in verse 4 and they were all filled with the holy spirit it, it, it tells us over in chapter 4 that Peter being filled with the Holy Spirit. In, in chapter 4, verse 31, it says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together had shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God with boldness. Filled, 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 and filled again. That is so important for us. And it's so important for us to rely on the Holy Spirit. You know, when I talk about stuff like that, some people get really uneasy. Because there are churches that really don't acknowledge so much the Holy Spirit. They put their emphasis on the Father. Oh, we, we worship the Father. We pray to the Father. Um, you can't do that. You say, what do you mean? You can't, you can't count out the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're, they're, it's, a, it's a triune God. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three in one. You can't separate them. They're inseparable. Yeah, but we, we only worship the Father. You've heard people like that. They don't, they, we worship and praise the Father. We only pray to the Father. Um, can't do that. Why? Read your Bible. Jesus said, no man comes to the Father except through him. Can't do that. And you can't just isolate the Spirit either and just say, well, we just worship the Spirit. No, you, you, you can't come to the Father except through Jesus Christ by the Spirit. Well, you hear people say, well, the Holy Spirit's not supposed to speak of himself. Well, that's what he says. Jesus says, I'll send you a helper. He'll teach you all things. He won't speak of himself. What does he do? He points you to Jesus Christ. Who dwells in me? The Holy Spirit. Who dwells in me? The Spirit of Christ. Who dwells in me? The Father. You can't separate them. So when someone says they're trying to separate the Spirit, you can't do that. You can't have a Holy Spirit meeting without having Jesus Christ and the Father there. Otherwise, you've got something going on that shouldn't be going on. You can't just have a meeting... Uh, worshiping the Father and ignore Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. You can't do that. You've got to have them all. People get really weird when I say, you know, uh, well, they go, well, are we supposed to pray to the Spirit? Yeah, why not? I pray to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all the time. Spirit, fill me up. 
Holy Spirit, fill me afresh. I also say, Jesus, fill me afresh. I say, Father, fill me afresh. Why? Because in John 17, Jesus said to, about the Father, he said, the Father's in me and I'm in him and we're in you and you're in us. You almost want to say cuckoo, cuckoo, right? And because of that relationship that we have, the Father says he has the same love for you as he does for Jesus Christ. You can't separate any of them. And you can't ignore the gifts of the Spirit. If you want to have a successful ministry, you've got to rely on God and not your own power. I think one of the most powerful things I see in this passage is the fact that these groups of people were gathered together praying. In another place, gathered together, praying. And the building shook. I want to see some of that. And if you're concerned about not getting too Pentecostal, this first day was pretty awesome. Think about it. Rushing mighty wind like a tornado going through the room and tongues of cloven fire resting on everybody's head. That ain't a normal service. So loosen up a little bit. Because here's what happens when the Holy Spirit takes over, and I'll close with this. They yield themselves to God. They yielded themselves. Key, yield yourself. They were praying and seeking his face. And the Holy Spirit came. And 120 people were baptized with the power and the promise of the Father. And they began to speak in other tongues. This isn't the gift of tongues that Paul talks about in Corinthians, which is a heavenly language between you and God, praising him for his wonderful works. This was a special gift given to the 120. They were given the the gift of tongues in other languages because the Bible tells us on this day at Pentecost that all the Jews were gathered from world wide all around the world different countries different languages they may have spoken hebrew but they had a a home country language and so what happened was this wind that was heard was heard throughout all jerusalem it was heard like a tornado it sounded like a hurricane but there wasn't any effects of it it wasn't like they were getting spun around the room and but they they could hear it and the whole city heard it it caused everybody to to come out probably to the south steps of Solomon's court there, the steps going up in the southern entrance of the temple, and as they gathered there, these 120 pour out, and they go out proclaiming the wonderful, mighty works of God in everybody's language, and they all go, whoa, they're speaking our language, he's speaking our language, they're speaking our language, and God got their attention. And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, gives a 40-second sermon, and 3,000 people get saved. If that's not God, what is? Peter! Let me say it again. Peter. Foot and mouth disease, Peter. The only guy that ever took his foot out of his mouth was to put the other foot in. This guy was the clumbing, clumsy, bumbling ox, always saying the wrong things, almost always saying the wrong things, and now filled with the Holy Spirit is speaking eloquently with power. And 3,000 people get saved.
In his second sermon, 5,000. Within a couple weeks, they probably had a church of about 20 grand. Wow. That can only happen with a move of the Spirit. Is God moving in your life today? Are you yielding yourself to the Holy Spirit? Are you ready to go swinging for Jesus? Because it's all going down, guys. We are in the final chapter. This is it, the last days. This is exactly what. This is when uh, Peter said, and I know I said I was going to close, but i got to read this. This is when Peter quoted Joel, and he said, It shall come to pass. This was part of his sermon. In the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my maidservants, and I will pour out my Spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy and I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath and whosoever will call upon the name of Jesus shall be saved let's pray father thank you for the reminder Lord God Holy Spirit fill us afresh Lord we're, we're going to go out into this world today and and we're going to we're going to share you and then we're going to go down to the beach and we're going to have a barbecue and break bread and fellowship and encourage one another and so, Lord God, thank you uh, just for this reminder of what Pentecost was all about, Lord God. We give you all the praise and glory. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, oh, man, I'm not letting you get away. There's somebody here. If that's you, surrender. Say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I believe you're who you are, and I need you. Lord, I acknowledge you as Lord and Savior, creator of all things, that you died for me. You paid for my sin. Receive me now. Ask him into your life and be born again. If that's you, you're a child of God. You're a child of God. Go live in the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.